If anything we've talked about in this series, the trilogy, has piqued your interest more in the Bible, then good. We hope that's happened. As we've been kind of talking about the whole idea, the whole plot line, the whole theme and story of the Bible, if you find yourself going, you know what, I, I want to read the Bible, maybe again, or maybe more, or even possibly for the first time, then we put together some bonus material for you, and you can access it on our YouTube page, which you can access through our website. You can go to thesummitchurch.net and scroll down till you see the, the box that says Conversations. Conversations. You click on that, it'll take you to our YouTube page, and there's some bonus content on how to read the Bible. There's actually three videos we've done. They're like five to seven minutes long on things to keep in mind when you approach the Bible. When you get ready to read, there's some kind of do's and don'ts, some things to know, some things to understand that we think will be extremely helpful as you take those next steps. Because we've covered a lot of territory together, haven't we, in the last four weeks. In fact, this is going to be a wrap-up in the sense of we're going to be assuming a lot of information that we've talked about in the last four weeks. If you have missed anything in the last four weeks, you're going to want to go back, catch up, and, and watch those on our website or our app so that you know, what you're going to see today has a full picture and a, and a better understanding for you. Uh, and so what we've been talking about in this series, just highlight, is the whole plot, the whole theme, the whole storyline of the Bible can be summarized in three covenants or three agreements that God made. One he made with one man, the first one he made with one man named Abraham. The second one between God and one nation, Israel. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That was where all the laws and the commands, actually 613 of them, basically the entire Old Testament with a little exception, but the, the lion's share of the Old Testament is about this covenant and Israel trying to live out this covenant, which ultimately just prepared the world for Jesus. That was the whole point, and you can catch up when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And we get, it gets us to this third covenant, this third agreement between God and the world through Jesus. We kind of introduced that idea last week because Jesus did for us, which we could not do for ourselves, and brought something entirely new. He brought a new covenant to the world, which means this Second covenant is old now. And, and I say that because we're going to be using those terms a lot. When we talk about the old covenant, we're talking about, in the scriptures, when it talks about the old covenant, it's talking about that covenant that God made with Israel, that one nation Israel, through Moses. The Mosaic law, the Mosaic covenant, the law of Moses, that kind of thing. And God, through Jesus, brought something entirely brand new. So what we're going to talk about today is living in the reality of that new covenant. The new covenant and the new command that drives that covenant. The new covenant and the new command that drives that covenant. But before we get there, I want to answer one question. One question that... I think if we don't answer this question, we're going to have people keep coming back to it time and time again. And so it's very important. That's why it's in that intro video. Um, it's this question right here. Why does God seem different from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Because at face value, it seems like, okay, there's something God did. It's called the Old, and there's something that's called the New. And it seems like God is different from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And, and just 
to an average you know, eye, just kind of looking at it without knowing what was really going on, you might, you might assume that. But here's the deal. God actually says a couple different times in the Scripture not that he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I do not change. And so this is not about God changing. God did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He just changed what he was doing. God did not change. He just changed what he was doing. He did not change his mind. He changed covenants. And that's different. He did not change his mind. He changed covenants, which was the plan all along to, through his son Jesus, bring something entirely new, brand new to the world, which brings us to the new covenant and the new command, the new command that drives the new covenant, the way of the new covenant, the, the kind of the, the energy, the engine that drives the heart of what Jesus brought that was brand new. So let me set it up for you. Let me take you to a, a room where Jesus is gathered with his closest followers, his disciples. On the night before he was going to be crucified, and he was sharing a meal with them. That's why it is called, many times, the Last Supper. It was the last time they would eat together before he was crucified the next day. Now, they had no idea what was getting ready to go down the next day. Even though Jesus had hinted at it, and Jesus, and more even than hinted at it, Jesus had kind of called it right out. They, it just wasn't sinking in yet. So Jesus would gather with his disciples and, and, and sharing this meal he was about to be betrayed by Judas. Judas was sitting there. And Judas knew what was getting ready to go down. And Jesus knew what was getting ready to go down. And he knew it was Judas. Nobody else knew what was going on except those two guys. And so Jesus was trying to explain to them some last-minute instructions before he gave his life for the world. Now, uh, years later, Luke, one of Jesus' followers wanted to write an account of what happened that night. So he interviewed a lot of different people, and some of the guys that were in the room with Jesus that night, some of the disciples, he interviewed them, and then he wrote about it. And so let's look in at what Luke wrote that happened at the table at the Last Supper. After supper, Jesus took another cup of wine, and he said this. Here we go. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. The new covenant. An agreement... Confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, we don't know this absolutely for sure because, you know, we weren't there and, and we can't know what they were thinking. But all indications is that this went right over the disciples' heads, like, shoo. Right? If anything, they're thinking, new covenant. We've already got one. It's very nice. It's a, you know, we've got a covenant. What do you mean a New covenant. I mean, it's, it's exhausting. The one we got, it's exhausting. And, and, and dad told us, and granddad, and great-granddad, and great-granddad. I mean, my whole family, we're, we're, I mean, we're a part of this covenant. And the covenant is about my family, about my heritage. We're a bunch of Jewish boys. We got a covenant. What are we talking about this new covenant thing? What's this cup and blood and sacrifice? See, they had no idea. They had no idea. Even though Jesus was trying to tip them off to what's coming, it wasn't until about 24 hours later that it would probably begin to sink in what he was really talking about in that moment because it was the sacrifice of Jesus that we talked about in great detail last week 
that was going to bring something entirely new, a new covenant, a new agreement that God would make with the world, not just with one nation, not just with one man, but the world through his son, Jesus Christ, when Jesus gave himself as the savior of the world. Well, John was sitting there listening to Jesus talk about this new covenant. And he also described what happened that night. And he wrote this. So Jesus now talks about the new commandment, the new command to the new covenant. Jesus says, so I'm now giving you a new commandment. Now, by new, he doesn't mean another one. He doesn't mean number 614, because remember there were 600, approximately 613 laws in, in, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. He wasn't saying, and here's one more. No, no, no. This was another of a completely different kind, as we will see. This was one that would supersede all 613. This is one that would bring something entirely new into reality, this new covenant. This is the way, the expectation. This new command was kind of just the way things are going to be now in this new covenant. That's what Jesus was saying. And so he tells them, here it is. Love each other. But he doesn't stop there. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Now this is interesting to me. Jesus didn't just say, you need to love each other. He didn't stop it right there. Why? Because everybody has their own definition of what love is, right? I mean, what's love to you may not be love to someone else. I mean, I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. <laughs> but when you show me, it looks like one thing. And, and if you show me, it may look like something else. And if, and if you show me, it may look like something else. And when you show me, it may look entirely different. So Jesus didn't leave it open for interpretation. He defined it. Love each other. Oh, which I mean by that, just as I have loved you. Oh, that kind of love. And they knew how Jesus had loved him. They knew how Jesus had loved all those guys. They had experienced Jesus' love. They had received Jesus' love. And now they were being called, sound familiar? To share Jesus' love. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now let me unpack this for you real quick. This was a response kind of thing. This was how they were to live in response, which means how we are to live in response to Jesus. Loving each other as he has loved us is how we respond to how he loved us, is we love each other the same way he loved us. It's how we continue Jesus' mission. His mission becomes our mission in 2019, and when we are loving people the way Jesus loved us, which we will talk about what that looks like in a minute, but when we love each other the way Jesus loved us, then we are continuing what Jesus did and making Jesus' mission our mission. We do that in response. Also understand, this new command of the new covenant is so much more simple than the 613 from the old covenant. So much more simple. First of all, there's only one of them. Like one is more simple than 613, right? But it's just love, right? Love, 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 love. Now, some of you are like, I don't know about that. Well, see, you're starting to confuse simple and easy. Simple doesn't mean easy. It just means this, this, this so much more simple. This one command, listen very carefully, did the work and does the work for all 613 in the Old Covenant. This one command, we'll see it. 
We'll see it. Doesn't mean easy. It actually means it's more challenging. Love is so much more challenging. I've said it before, and I enjoy saying this, that if you're going to love like you're supposed to love and I'm supposed to love, love will kick your butt. It is not easy. It is not cushy. It is not soft. Loving like Jesus loved will put you on a cross. Nothing's easy about that. None of this stuff, well, it's all about love, 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 love. You can't handle that kind of love on most days. It's all you want. It's all you can do. It's much more challenging. In fact, Jesus raised the bar time and time and time again. Let me give you some quick examples. Jesus raised the bar in this new command. With this new command in the new covenant, he raised the bar on the old covenant. For instance, in Jesus' most famous sermon, Matthew records it in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He gives three quick examples on how he raised the bar. Actually, there's more than three in that sermon, but let me just give you three of them. He said in the Old Covenant, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. It's in the top ten, actually. Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Absolutely. But he goes on to say, but I say to you that you need to pay attention to the anger and hatred in your heart. It's not just about not taking the life of someone. That's important. But he raised the bar. You need to watch your attitude and what's going on in here and in here. Because, see, you know, we're quick to say, well, I'm a pretty good old fella. I ain't never killed nobody. Well, good. Glad to know. But how many times have you wished them dead? What about the hate and the angst? And you can't even look at them without just gnawing with bitterness on the inside. You need to pay attention to that. Jesus said that's a problem. So it's not just about murdering someone, it's about having a murderous heart. See, that's uncomfortable, so let's move on. Jesus gives another example. He said, you heard it said. You've heard it said in the old covenant, thou shalt not commit adultery. Darn tootin', you're right. But Jesus raised the bar. He said, but I tell you, I say to you, if you look with lust at someone else's spouse, you're guilty. Come again? Raise the bar. Jesus said, in the old covenant, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. That's a good thing to do, right? Love your neighbor. He said, but I'm going to raise the bar. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for them. Wow. So there's nothing cushy about this. This loving each other as Jesus loved us, this way of the new covenant is more challenging than anything God's people had encountered before. And it summarizes it summarizes everything God requires of us in regards to him and everything God requires of us in regards to each other is summarized with the new command, love as I have loved you. So he brought something entirely new. And by bringing something entirely new, a new covenant driven and, and kind of motivated in the engine of this new command, he did away and completed the old covenant. In fact, the writer of Hebrews describes it like this. That this new covenant is a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Better promises. Better promises than what? Than the promises in the old covenant. The promises, and we talked about this last week, the promises that most people like to pick and choose from. I want this one, I want this one, I don't want that one, I don't want that one. No, that one's weird. But I want this one and this one and this one. They kind of pick and choose what they want. You can't do that. You understand, that, that was not for you. That was, you got to think, who's it for and what was it about? There are better promises that are for us and about us and our relationship with God. And let me give you some quick examples. In the Old Covenant, 
In the Old Covenant, we are told that God is with us. If you're Israel, you're told that God is with you. That, that's great. That's an awesome thing. But in the New Covenant, it's better. You know what the truth is in the New Covenant? Through God's Spirit, that he is in us. In us is better than with us. In us is a better way to understand what it means that he is with us. In the Old Covenant, we're told that sin can be forgiven if you offer sacrifice. You have to offer a sacrifice and your sin is forgiven. That's the promise. Your sin will be forgiven if you offer a sacrifice. But the problem is you're going to sin again. Uh-oh. you got to offer another sacrifice. And then you're going to sin again. Uh-oh. And then you've got to offer another sacrifice. And it's this unending cycle. The better promise from the new covenant that he's referring to here, one of many, is that Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice. There's no more requirement for you and I to offer sacrifices. We talked about it last week. It's one and done. Sin's no longer really the issue here. That's better. In the Old Covenant, the presence of God was conditional. It was conditional. If you did this, if you did this, then you would experience the presence of God. In the New Covenant, it's constant. He said, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's better, right? Always is better than if you do this and that and this and that. So it, it's better. And, and, then, and then the writer says this. And when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one, the old one, the one we've been talking about, obsolete. There's no ambiguity there. Obsolete. It is now out of date, and it will soon disappear. I wish we had time to unpack this a little bit more, but this word disappear is a prophetic nod to what was going to happen just a few years later when the Romans would destroy the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And in AD 70, that occurred, and first century Judaism disappeared. You could no longer be a good first century Jew. We're going to offer sacrifices. There's no more temple. There's no more temple. And so what Jesus brought was so new, and he was so serious about the old passing away, the temple was even destroyed. We don't need it anymore. It served its purpose, but now Jesus is here. We'll see that in just a minute. It's a lot, isn't it? Whew, it's a lot. But see, the challenge for me and you, 2019, especially as followers of Jesus and Christians, the challenge is, is that we have a hard time accepting things that are new. We have a hard time. We're all, all old dogs, essentially, and have a hard time with new tricks. We have a hard time accepting things that are new, and so what we want to do in this instance, we want to take thinking from the Old Covenant and promises from the Old Covenant and commands from the Old Covenant and mix them with the new. Of course, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Because if it's in the Bible, we need to do it. If it's in the Bible, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that you don't want to be held accountable to. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible. You better make sure you know who that was said to and what the context was. Because you can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible you want to apply and what parts you don't. you got to stick with, who's this for? Who's it to? So we mix the old with the new, and it creates a big old mess. The early church struggled with this for about three or four decades. It took them a while to kind of get the old out of their thinking and out of their living. And churches and Christians today still struggle. 
creates a mess. I'll show you. I'll show you real quick. I'll, I'll go through this as quickly as I can, but you got to see what happens. The mess that's created, the confusion, the frustration, the discouragement that's created when you take the old that Jesus came to end and fulfill and do away with because he was doing something brand new. When you take the old and mix it with the new, you got a mess. Let me show you what I mean. Let's take God's presence, for example. In the old covenant, God's presence was all about the temple. Specifically, a room in the inner portion of the temple called the Holy of Holies, which represented the presence of God. It's where the glory of God resided. It was all about the temple, all about a holy place and a holy space. Now, in the new covenant, God's presence is about people, not about the temple. In fact, after AD 70, the temple is gone. What would have happened to the presence of God? Well, it's not about a holy place and a holy space anymore. It's about holy faces. It's about people. There are no more holy places. There are no more holy spaces. There are only holy people. In fact, I'll take it one step further. If you promise not to tell anybody, I said it. Promise? Thank you. Which means there's not even any more holy days. Only holy people. The New Covenant and the New Testament makes that crystal clear. But see, see how that gets messy? Because see, in church traditions, and you know, we got this, this is holy, and you can't do that, that's holy. And when I was growing up, you know, the, what the building, the church house, was the house of God. And you, you can't wear a hat. Don't you wear a hat in here, and don't you bring your coffee in here. And you got to dress a certain way, you got to look a certain way, because this is the house of God, the presence of God is here. That's temple thinking. That's the old covenant. All right, listen very carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, New Covenant writer, New Testament. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Don't you understand that your body is the temple of God? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now. It means this is the house of God. This is not the house of God. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God within you, and you are the house of God, which means we need to spend a whole lot more time concerned with what's going on in here than we are what's going on in here. You see how messy that gets, right? And so holy places, holy spaces, mm -mm, it's holy faces. And when you mix those two up, it creates all kinds of ambiguity. Let's go on since this is challenging. In the Old Covenant, what'd you do with your enemy? You conquered them. Because if you didn't conquer them, they were going to conquer you. Remember, we talked about that. It was a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It was primitive. It was barbaric. It was just the way it was. You had to conquer them. Even, even if you want to call it retaliating. You, okay, so, so you conquered them. But in the New Covenant, what Jesus brought was totally new, and what he teaches us is to love our enemies. We just referred to it, Matthew chapter 5. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for them. I want you to do good to those who do bad to you. Love them. Now you see how messy it gets if you confuse those two and you take a little bit of this over here because it, yeah, man, we're going to let them have it. If they don't believe like us, if they don't look like us, if they don't live like us, if they don't worship like us, we're, we're taking them down. We're going to stand against those people. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. That's old covenant thinking. That's temple, that's enemy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer my enemies. Hmm. Do you know why the Crusades happened? Remember the Crusades? Remember they went from city to city and they massacred non-Christians. Why? 
They were non-Christians. So they killed them. Do you know why that happened? Because they mixed the old with the new. And they took, I'm going to conquer, we're going to conquer, we're going to conquer. And modern day Christians still do the same thing. Well, they don't vote like me. They don't live like me. They don't believe like me. So I am out to prove them wrong. What did Jesus say? Well, just love the mess out of them. Just love them. Just, just love them. Wear yourself out loving them. Mm, that's my job. By the way, it's a lot easier to conquer people than to love them. Loving people is harder than conquering them. So that's why we choose to. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. I can tell my popularity is rising, so let's move on. In the old covenant, when you do right, you get blessed. That was it. You do right, you get blessed. In fact, you could tell people that were greatly blessed were probably blessed because they, man, they must honor God. Look at there, look at there. And that was so many of the promises were like, if you do this, God will bless you. If you do this, God will bless you. If you do this, God will bless you. Now, in the new covenant, watch it. When you do right, you may get blessed. You will get blessed. Maybe now, but eventually later. But right now, you may suffer. You may be persecuted. It may get worse for you. Do you see the mess this creates when all we do is teach this over here? When all we do, when we take the Old Testament promises and we pick, cherry pick them out, they weren't for us, they weren't about us, and we take and we put it into people's lives right now and say, if you'll do this, God will bless you. If you do this, you'll have more money. If you do this, you'll always be healthy. If you do this, you'll get the job. If you do this, you'll have the favor of God, blah, 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 blah. And that very well may be true, or God may wait and bless you in eternity. And instead, God may let you grow and mature and change through pain. That's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, fellas, in this world, you will have trouble. As you proclaim my name and do good, as you fulfill my mission and do good, you're going to have trouble. What? Yeah. We, we, see? You see how messy this gets? And people are like, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm hurting. I don't understand why my life's not going better. I don't understand. I'll tell you why. You're not in heaven yet, man. This ain't it. And yes, God does bless us. Sometimes now, always, in eternity future, which is going to last a whole lot longer than here and now, by the way. But until then, we're going to have to suffer. Now, I don't like that. But it doesn't change that. You see how messy this gets? One more, one more, since we're having fun. The old covenant, talking about mixing. The old covenant, you know the focus was? It was sin. It was sin. That's what all the sacrifices were. Sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice. More sin, more sacrifices. And it was unending. It was basically one long experiment of sin management. Trying to do a little bit less bad, a little bit more good. A little bit less bad, a little bit more good. And it was exhausting and it never, it never fully worked. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And the focus no longer became sin management. It became Jesus' love. We receive his love and we share his love. We receive his love and we share his love. You say, well, you mean there's no more sin? No, no, of course there's sin. But sin is defined differently. We'll get there right before we're done. I'll show you. But you see how messy this gets? See, this is what confuses people. This is what discourages people. This can actually discourage people so much they walk away from church and some people try to walk away from God because we mix 
and we mix the old with the new, the old with the new. The old is gone. There's a new way. And this is it. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for us to let go of the old and embrace the new? Especially when it comes to, you know, spiritual things. Why is it so hard? Well, you, do you know there's actually a spot in our brain that makes this difficult for us? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, and, and we use it in so many positive ways. But one of our staff members, um, Hannah, she works in our art department. She came across this and sent it to me, and I said, Hannah, this is fantastic. She's incredible. And, and, and so I was like, oh, thank you so much. I'd love to use this. There's a spot in our brain, and I wrote this down. It's called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. It's the DOPFC for those of you that are. Oh, yeah, the DOPFC. Not to be confused with the NCDMV. It's, it's more about hellish stuff. Hell, you know, this is heavenly. Sorry if you work there. My bad. It's, it's just funny. It's just funny. The DOPFC is the brain's pattern seeker. It finds old rules that can be applied to here and now to avoid the chore of new learning. It explains why you can't teach the old dog new tricks, why it's hard for us to change. It kind of gets in the way. That's why, check this out, it's why we would rather have a checklist of do's and don'ts that come from the old covenant any day than embrace the new simple command of loving as you have been loved. We'd rather have a checklist, really, because I always know where I stand, right? I'm better than you. I got this one right. You got it wrong, so I'm holier than you. No. I, I got three out of four. You only got two out of four. So I'm at, at least as long as I'm better than they are, I'm doing a little bit better. As long as I'm better off than I was this time last week, you know, well, no, 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 no. We'd always rather have a checklist. That's our human nature. Jesus didn't give us a checklist. He gave us a checkbox. Love as you have been loved. Either do it or not. In fact, let me take it one step further. For those of you that are like, oh, it can't be that simple. It just can't be that simple. Oh, you're confusing simple and easy again. Because, yes, it can be that simple. And, in fact, let's go to the Ten Commandments. Do you know that all the commands and all the principles, even the Ten Commandments, do you know why the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments? And do you know why the thou shalt nots are shalt nots and the thou shalt are the shalls? Because of love. Do you know why it says thou shalt not kill? Do you know the real reason behind that? Because killing somebody is unloving. Do you know why it says thou shalt not steal? Why you, why you shouldn't take stuff that don't belong to you? Because to that person, when you take something that doesn't belong to you, that is an unloving gesture. Do you know why it says thou shalt not commit adultery? Because that's unloving. Oh. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's unloving to him. See, it all comes back to love. It all comes back to love. Loving each other even loving him as he has loved us. Love, 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 love. It all comes back to that. That is the new command of the new covenant. Love as I have loved you. Unless you need a little bit more definition, that is a selfless love. Love as I have loved you is a selfless love. How do we know it's a selfless love? Because that's how he loved us. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said was about the Father and about other people. It was not about himself. And he proved it when he gave his life on a cross. It's a selfless love. If you're going to love like Jesus loved, it'll kick your butt. It'll be the most challenging thing you ever done, ever did. And, and eventually will take you 
maybe to a cross, so to speak, where you sacrifice yourself for the needs and betterment of others. A selfless love. Not to be confused with a self-love, because that's big today, right? Self-love, I'm just trying to love myself. I'm just trying to love myself. I'm just trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to learn what it means to love me. Just, I hear that all the time. Man, just, and I understand what people mean by that, and I get it, and Oprah made millions of that thinking, and I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. However, I'm just going to pitch this out for you, and you can do what you will. But Jesus said that he is calling us to deny ourselves. Except you can't, you don't sell many books on that stuff. It's not about self-love. It's about a selfless love. Following the pattern of Jesus. That's why the cross is the symbol of Christianity. (laughs) That's why it's the most defining symbol. Because it's that symbol that typifies the selfless love of the Savior for us. And we point back to that time and time again. In fact, it was so selfless, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he knew good and well that there would be a large part of humanity's population who would never reciprocate his love back in his direction. And yet, he loved them anyway. That is selfless love. And that is how we are told to love each other. Now, for those of, for those of you that are sin police, what about sin? What about sin? What about sin? Okay, here we go. You know where sin comes in into the new covenant? Ultimately, anything that is unloving. Any attitude, any behavior, any thinking that is unloving. I mean, you take take everything that's said in the New Testament, and if he tells us not to do it, why does he tell us not to do it? Because it's unloving. To avoid it, why? Because it's unloving. Because unloving is the umbrella principle of all of the new covenant. It is the new command. And it covers everything. So as soon as I am being unloving in any way, listen, or you are being unloving in any way, that's, that's when sin becomes an issue. Not because it hasn't been paid for. I don't have to go offer a sacrifice. I, I now need to run back to the Savior and say, listen, you paid for sin once for all. I need help. I'm being unloving. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me be loving. Strengthen me to be loving like you have loved me. I don't have to do penance. I don't have to go offer a sacrifice. He took care of all that. See, this is a much better arrangement than the old covenant. Sin. See, see, here's the deal. I want you to get this, get this, get this. You don't need a checklist when you're loving like Jesus loved you. You know why? Because it's all you can handle. That kind of love is all you can handle. You don't need, you can't handle anything else. It is the way. And it summarizes everything God expects of you in regards to him and in respect to other people. It's that simple. Love as I have loved you. So the question, in fact, the entire Bible can be boiled down to one question. One. Now, there's so much to learn. 
<laughs> and again, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it's the beautiful backstory of the main story. It's, it's, it's so intriguing. And it, helped, it adds meaning and depth and value. And so it's all purposeful. And it all has a place. But we can all summarize it with one question for you and I in 2019. Here's the point for you and me. Are you loving as you have been loved? Because that's the new command. That does the work of all 613 in the Old Covenant. Are you loving each other as Jesus has loved you? And my guess is that you got your hands full with that. And when we get that right, everything begins to change. Not because we want God to love us more. Not because we want God to do special things for us. No, but because God has already loved us so much. It's in response to his love that we have received that we share the same love with others. That is the heart of the new covenant. It is the new command to love as you have been loved. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for me. I, I know we need it. Your Father, thank you for this new covenant through Jesus for simplifying it so much, giving us this new command. But man, this is challenging. Man, this is hard. This is obviously where we fit into the picture is living out the new command of the new covenant. And so Father, help me to love like you've loved me. That's all I can handle. That's all I can handle. And I need your strength to handle that. And I ask the same for all my brothers and sisters here and everybody watching online. We would love as you've loved us. That we would understand what it means to be loved by you. That we would receive more and more the reality of your love so that we can share more and more the reality of your love. Father, help us understand that the whole scriptures for us come to this point. And, and if we will focus on this, everything else will begin to fall into place accordingly. Help me in Jesus' name. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.